Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. I usually speak to bands and artists about what they've done off stage to kind of support what they do and in between tours and the dichotomy of trying to make money whilst also doing the thing that you feel compelled to do. And I've got James Scarlett here, who is exactly that. He used to be an accountant before him and his friends in 2007 decided they want to do a festival themselves. That was the first 2000 Trees. Within three years, he was doing that as a full-time job. And then Arctangent came along. He's got some excellent stories. And I was glad that I could get him on the line to ask him how he's done it. 
and get some tales from along the way. If you haven't already seen, 2000 Trees announced their lineup for next year. Jimmy Eat World and Thrice are headlining. There's so many, so many, so many good bands on that. I think it's basically the British version of Grows Rock next year. And they're also announcing all of Arctangent's lineup across this week. So do yourself a favor and go check that out. East London's signature brew have been brewing music-inspired beers since 2011. You may know them from their collaboration beers, brewed with the likes of Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, Mogwai, Enter Shikari, and so many more. And as a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off all their beers on their website by visiting signaturebrew.co.uk and using the code 101podcast, all capitals, at checkout. All right. Here's James Scarlett, Booker of 2000 Trees and Arctangent Festivals. I mean, thank you so much for, for joining me on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Well, I was very, I was very privileged. Uh, I felt very privileged to be asked as I'm not a, I'm not a band. But yeah, there's, a, there's certainly a creative element to what I do. So, yeah. I was just looking at the 2007 lineup. And you had In Me headlining and Frank Turner was on there. And that those are two quite, you know, at, at the time in 2007, In Me playing at the Astoria around that time, which is, you know, kind of a big deal. That's for a first festival. That's a pretty solid lineup. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, we were really pleased with it back in the day. I mean, Frank had actually only just started. He'd only just gone solo. So was relatively um, unknown in apart from his sort of fans of his old band million dead um mm. but yeah in me was uh we were very excited to get in me it was literally in year one i just booked all the bands that i knew <laughs> do you know what i mean and how how did you know them were you putting on shows in cheltenham no sorry when i say i knew them i mean i just tried to book bands i listened to um right so i i had no experience at all um, when we started 2000 trees so i'd never promoted a show i'd never <laughs> really um yeah, wow. I, I mean to say that. Um, I mean, I started. I started with five friends, um, and we had n- none of us had any experience in events, any experience in festivals, or any experience in the music industry. Um, and we just all we did is we liked music and we loved festivals. So um, where do you start with that? Because now, if you want to book a band, quite often they'll have their booking agent on Facebook or maybe their website. What would you What would you do back then? Would you Would you pick up the phone? Well, no, no, it was in the dark old days of MySpace. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so I guess MySpace just worked a similar way to Facebook does now. And, um, yeah, that that was how you got in contact with the band and you'd find out who their agent was and stuff. But, you know, in those days, I it's weird. Now people interview me like I'm an expert, which is quite a strange feeling because in those days I didn't know what a booking agent even was. Like I didn't – I wasn't aware in any way – of the structure of the music industry any more than any other person would be now, you know, just the the average person on the street. They don't know how the background of it all works, I don't think. And right. I didn't. <laughs> but it is fairly straightforward once you get an overview of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to book a band for a gig, talk to the booking agent, not the band is is essentially the key to it. But it's quite a weird process. There's no There's no price list. There's a big guessing game over how much you pay a band. Did you learn some hard lessons in that first year or... I mean, even now when you're, I mean, let's face it, it's negotiation, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very good friends and acquaintances with lots of booking agents now, but their job is to get the most money they can for their artists. Yeah, um, which is my, good. I mean, really, because, yeah. I mean, especially as, you know, the 50 quid support fee, you know, that's probably not going to change. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, 
if a band ever asked me what what should we do, like the first person you want to get is a booking agent, I think, because it it makes a massive difference to how many shows you get and how many festivals, and it and also the fee you'll get paid. Um, even if it's even if you're a nobody band, it will it's taking it from fifty quid to three hundred quid or whatever, you know, which makes a difference in terms of like hiring a van or whatever. And you do need a booking agent for festivals, really, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I. I I would say at 2000 Trees, I also organise Arc Tangent Festival. Um, at yeah. those two, I probably book about 85% through booking agents and 15% direct. Which is so nice, man, because, I mean, like I just said, like, you know, there is that kind of rhetoric, you know, you need a booking agent to pay these big festivals. And it's so fucking great that the Trees and Arc Tangent, you don't necessarily need to. I think that gives a lot of hope to bands who maybe aren't in the position to play in front of agents or play in London or or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my, my thing is uh, with the lower down parts of our lineup is I want to dis- I want people to be able to discover, you know, the bands that are going to be big tomorrow, not just bands that are big today. So it's it's like a big discovery exercise, and some of those bands are so new that they don't have booking agents. So um, yeah, I'm more than happy to to book bands without agents. Absolutely. And it's a symbiotic thing as well, because if I find out a local band are playing Trees or Arc Tangent and I see those bands on that lineup, I mean, I think this is the way it works, isn't it? How, how you know, bands garner popularity and people talk about them is because I'll see them on a lineup and it'll be like, oh, that's cool. You know, and I'll tell my mate, that's wicked, that band's playing Trees. You know, it kind of works like that, I feel, maybe. Yeah, and you, yeah, certainly. And you, and you, the band looks more impressive, don't they? Like, I, um, there's some, because I'm, I've got a lot of Facebook friends that you know how Facebook works. I'm, they're not necessarily people I know that well um, that are in bands. And I've seen a couple of them posting this week when we did the 2000 Trees lineup. They've been posting saying, look at me, we've got our logo on the poster. So to to so to so a small band, to, to move from like just a little plain text bit at the bottom up to having a logo is a massive, is a massive thing for them. And I think everyone suddenly starts thinking differently about your band if you're on a bit, if you're on a festival's Right, having the logo rather than yeah. the name. Yes, exactly. Yeah, some of the names for next year are just are just looking great. I'm really happy with the two headliners we've announced so far. I mean, Jimmy Eat World and Thrice are just absolute legends. Jimmy Eat World. I mean, that's 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 insane for trees, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's that's like a that is a really really great booking for us. And I, I feel like in terms of excitement levels, people see the British bands a lot because they tour a lot in the UK. So it, right. it does feel a bit more exciting when you book, like we've got, um, you know, Jimmy World and Thrice. They're, they're here less often than someone like Yumi X6 or Death of Anna would be. So it feels that that bit more special, I think, to people. Um, it's very much like Grove Rock, I've thought. It's becoming that kind of, you know, it's got punk, it's got the heavier indie stuff, it's got the metal and hardcore stuff. Yeah, I mean... Grows Rock is certainly an inspiration to us um, in terms of their lineups. I've never actually been, um, annoyingly, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, I think my thing is we want to have as broad a lineup as we can, but it's kind of constrained within the rock sort of world. So you're right; we'd have indie bands, but it tends to be the heavier indie bands, and and then anything. We don't go like heavy in terms of like metal that often, but yeah, all the way up to hardcore and punk and stuff. How, how have your processes changed over the years? I mean, are there, are there any moments? Are there any, I mean, I love getting stories on this podcast. It's all about stories, I, I think. But yeah. what kind of moments have, have really stuck out for you? I mean, good or bad as well. 
I mean, you know, when I say we didn't know what we were doing in in year one, I think it's hard to overstate that. So, you know, as two two examples are, we didn't have, you know, like you know what I mean by a pit barrier. It's the the barrier right at the front of the crowd that the crowd lean against. So we didn't have one in year one, which even if you've got like a thousand people, is pretty dangerous. Um, so we put up like a temporary barrier which collapsed, um, and it was like it was basically amateur town. It's like the crowd were like. There's a couple of people like mangled in the barrier. So that was pretty embarrassing and bad. Um, I mean, this is 15 years ago. Injuries happen, don't they? Absolutely. But the, the other thing was um, we, we, we have now learned that if you're going to put portaloos somewhere, make sure that if it rains and it gets muddy, you can still get your toilet truck to the portaloos to clean them. Um, so in 2007, we had some rain and... We couldn't get near the toilets. Now I probably don't need to go into great details to what <laughs> what then happens um, as people wow. continue to use them. So yeah, it it was it was really amateurish back in those days. Whereas now, yeah, everything's changed. Now it's a it's a slick show. We've got full time employees and lots of people, hundreds of people work during the actual festivals for us. Um, yeah, and we we know what we're doing now. I think it's interesting as as a fan of punk rock and and rock music as a, as a general broader idea. Grew up going to Reading Festival. I, I didn't really have it. It wasn't really on my radar that there were these festivals that would actually you know the bands that I'd love to see that might be headlining or playing halfway up the Lockup Tent or or the Jungle Tent or whatever it used to be called. Like you could go see those bands at Two Thousand Trees, which kind of makes you. I mean, you're in my eyes as as a for me and my friends you it, that makes you a direct competitor to reading and leeds apart from you know you have sponsors like you know head above the waves and safe gigs for women and it feels like you have that kind of agility to to be able to you know not be completely corporate and i'm not digging at reading and leeds i understand they've been going for years that's just naturally what happens with big companies but still, I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting aspect. And I mean, where do you see yourself in all of that? Well, we, well, we started, um, we, we, we actually came up with the idea at Reading. Um, and I went to Reading okay. eight out of nine years. Um, so I, I'm, I'm 42. So this was like the last year I went to Reading, which was my eighth time, was 2006. And that was the year before 2003 started. Um, and we... Um, we came up with the idea, and it, we, you know, let's face it, we didn't we didn't invent the boutique festival. There was festivals like Truck Festival had been mm. around for you know five to ten years before that. Um, so we kind of what what we wanted to do is take the lineups that we liked that you'd see at a Reading, um, and combine them with the the feel that you get at a small a smaller boutique festival. Um, so it's like the, there was no there was no boutique festivals that had really rock lineups. So we yeah, wanted to put yeah. a rock lineup in a in a boutique environment, which is that I mean it's quite a simple concept really, and that that's what two thousand trees that was the idea because I got to the point where I think by the time I was like twenty six or twenty seven I felt really old at reading, and yeah, yeah. I felt like I suddenly got to the point where I could see the kind of the facilities weren't great, and it, I wasn't really enjoying roughing it to quite that extent anymore. Um, mm. So it felt like you can give people something, a nicer environment, which is what we've tried to do at Trees. Yeah, and somewhere where you can buy records as well. I mean, like the Big Scary Monsters, Big Scary Monsters always have a something going on there. You know, you're buying some records that you wouldn't find anywhere else maybe or some T-shirts that you wouldn't get anywhere else. And that gives it that kind of 
family environment as well. I mean, the, the, you know, ones that you would see at Truck Festival. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I love the merch um, tents at both Trees and Arc Tangent. Um, if you spoke to the Big Scary Monsters guys, they would tell you that the, their most regular customer is me. <laughs> I'm a, I, like, I pop in what about once every three hours and buy a load of vinyl. Um, Brilliant. So, yeah, I love it. As the festival grows, I mean, can you envision a tipping point where you, as one person, can't sort of be the head of it? Could you imagine making it a bigger company or or selling it in the future? I mean, you know, I don't know if that's a horrible question. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, there's a few aspects to that question. I think, firstly, we we don't want to grow too much because I think the thing people love about trees is how small it is and you know that you've got the bump ability that you can lose your friends and find them again um, yeah 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 and but also um for me in terms of wanting to sell the festival I have no interest right if the only way I would ever sell 2000 trees is if someone offered me an amount of money where I didn't need to work again now um that's not going to happen so that's basically me saying I'm not going to sell trees because I've got what, if you said to me, what's your ideal job? Now, short of being a professional footballer, which I think I've probably missed the boat on, and or, or being like a rock star, which again, I think I've missed the boat on. And, you know, this is like, this is my ideal job. So why would I want to, why would I want to change it really? Um, I actually, I used to be, um, previous to Trees, I I was an accountant, believe it or not. And, Brilliant. Um, you know, I worked for a, I had a really what people would consider a good job or you pair, you know, the sort of job your parents are proud of. Um, yeah. I had a job and frankly, if I was still doing that, I would be earning a hell of a lot more money than I am as a festival organizer. But I chose like, it's a lifestyle job. This is, I, I choose right. that over being an accountant and being able to live in a bigger house that, you know, and I, and my, my opinion on that has never changed and I don't regret it for a second. So what that means is why would I want to sell trees? Like, I'd, what would I do? I'd end up still wanting to, you know, to do the same thing. I mean, there's. I don't mean that I love all of my job, but but I love lots of it. And frankly, booking, I book about. I think it's it's about three hundred bands a year across the two festivals, and starting every year with a blank slate, and just being able to create a lineup is a really amazing. I feel really lucky that I can do that. What um, year did you become a full time festival organizer? Uh, 2000 and, uh, 2010 or 11, I think. And what were the events leading up to that? Well, I mean, so we, we originally started Trees, me and my friends and my brother. Um, That's not long after the first one. No, so the first one was 2007. And we, yeah. started, we started that as a hobby. It wasn't ever a career or a job or we never really expected to make any money. Um, we, we were all, we all had professional jobs like, um, furniture designer lawyer accountant sales sales rep um and we were most of us were very dissatisfied with our jobs and we felt like we needed like an outlet i think it was like starting a new hobby um so we we just started it and then suddenly we were like hang on this could actually be a job this would be wouldn't it be amazing if this was our job and then wow at some point i hated my other my accountant job so much that I we just took the plunge. It was quite a big risk, and you know, my I mean, I was in my late twenties, but obviously, you never get to the point where your parents don't have an opinion on your life. Yeah. And my dad was just horrified that I was throwing away this supposedly great job, secure, well-paid job for to do this really random 
thing like running a festival that those are components that you need for a festival accountancy marketing set designer what was the other one lawyer yeah lawyer lawyer has been useful a few times over the years yeah no i'm not surprised you, you must look back and laugh at that i mean that that's kind of the stars aligning isn't it yeah absolutely i mean one of the guys was a journalist as well so he did all our press and stuff so yeah, yeah perfect it, um it worked really well and some of those some of the original team are still like the lawyer is still a lawyer he works he works part time on the festival but three of us have completely quit our old jobs and a and a full time so yeah it's excellent i i feel very lucky because it there wasn't any design behind it all we just kind of randomly fell into it and art tangent so it started in 2013 why what made you feel the need that you, you need to do that i mean because now it's quite clear look at people like you know 65 days of static or this town needs guns what other festivals could they play <laughs> you know in some yeah. sense i mean there's there's a few but just arc tangent is obviously you know catered for for those kinds of bands yeah absolutely i mean i think what what we'd started to see at 2000 trees was bands like 65 days um and maybe she will and then so much from afar and mm. tall ships, three chap tigers. They all, yeah, they, they yeah. were all quite popular at trees. And you'd put them on in the second stage, and they'd pack the tent out. And it was like I kind of slowly realised there's a scene here that I didn't really realise was a scene. And it started to become the music that I was listening to more and more. And also, this happened at a time when trees was growing, but we didn't want to make it um, like too big. So. We, uh, me and one of the other guys just took the plunge and started another festival, um, and that is Arc Tangent. And, you know, I had no idea whether or not that would be successful, whether or not there was an audience big enough. Because it costs, you know, over half a million pounds a year to put on Arc Tangent. Um, so you, you, need, you need plenty of ticket sales to cover that. Um, so we had literally no idea whether that would work, but it has. I've just I mean, got to ask, why, why didn't you want to make trees too big was it because you know you've seen other people do it and you've seen bands get too big too quick i mean for what reason i mean well it's it's the same it's the same as i said earlier really it's like we i think it's our usp really what you know why would you go to trees and not download and the reason is all reading and the the number one reason isn't the lineup the number one reason is because you get bands you like but there is a nice small intimate community feel feel to it and you can find your mates when you lose them like i can't compete with um some of the bands like you know when yes yeah i guess yeah i can't compete with you know tall or faith no more or biffy clyro or whatever and you know i accept that there's some wonderful bands play at reading and download but what i can do better than them is um is give you a really nice feeling festival and that you, that you have a, a great time at. And also you can watch a brilliant lineup. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not saying their lineup's better than ours because I don't think it is necessarily. I mean, I think we do the up and coming stuff way better than any big festival does. Um, you know, we'll, you'll see Creeper or Black Peaks at our festivals before they hit those big ones. Um, so I'm, I'm really proud of that. Um but yeah, I, I think if, if 2000 Trees was, let's say it was double the size, 30,000, I think that would really change the feel of it um, and the vibe. And so Arc Tangent, I mean, was that not doubling your workload? Yeah, well, there's a lot of sort of synergies between the two. So it's not quite doubling. It is doubling the workload on the band booking, but it's not doubling 
the workload in terms of all the infrastructure like uh, staging and toilets and fencing and sound and do you use the same security. for both festivals it's a lot of the same stuff yeah right the stuff that the, the, we try not to make the festivals feel the same they don't feel the same actually if anyone who's been to both would but a lot of the stuff that no one cares about like fencing it's the same company um you know security same company so so that does mean that there's, there's a lot of efficiencies to be had there in terms of your time um it's not so it isn't quite doubling. Similarly to like sort of print journalism, festivals everywhere else seem to get, you know, more expensive. The lineup seems to kind of be compromised. And what what is your secret to, you know, year after year smashing it with both festivals? It's tricky. I think they're different. I think two thousand trees, the secret is, you know, bands do want to play two thousand trees, but having said that, they they will also they also want to play Slam Dunk and Download, so we're in a we're in a bit of a competition fighting over bands for them. But I think the secret really is to stay on top of what's good and what's new and and what what the public want to see. It's really important to to realise that you're not booking a festival for yourself; you're booking a festival for other people. Um, now that doesn't mean I'm going to go and book Adele if she's available or Ed Sheeran, um, but within our rock sort of world, um, you want to you're booking bands that people want to see so um it's not actually rocket science in a way and an arc tangent the lucky thing about arc tangent is it's a festival i would go to every year if i wasn't the organizer so that's very easy line up to book because it's what i listen to really where, where do you find out about new acts for for arc tangent um there's a few websites um like smaller blogs and stuff and then there's some record labels like Big Scary Monsters. Um, and then I know various um, sort of music managers and booking agents and stuff. And people will send stuff my way. And the moment I listen to a band, I can always, it's always either a Trees band or an Arctangent band. Very rarely is there a crossover. Someone like Black Peaks work at both. And so yeah. from afar work at both. But mo- most bands don't work at both festivals in my head. So I'm very, very clear in my mind. And, it's not quite as Arctangent's not quite as niche as people might think. You know, we got we had Meshuggah headlining last year and Opeth this year. You know, these are big commercial bands, albeit quite you know, <laughs> they're quite left field, but they're still yeah. very popular. Um I think you know, I, I mentioned this town needs guns earlier and, and sixty five days or or you know, and so I watch you is is a perfect example, is that you know, when you like a band like that, more often than not you love them rather yeah. than being a casual fan. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the 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 reason Arctangent's been successful is because there is no other place for these people to go and watch all of these bands at the same time. So Tor Richie Mafar might do a tour and they play well, I live in Bristol, they play to like four hundred people in Bristol. But, you know, when they play Arctangent, they'll play to a crowd of like seven thousand or something. Um and it's like a rabid, like crazy mo- mosh pit um for Insolvich from Afar. And that's the only place I'd go as far as to say it's the only place in the world where they're going to get a crowd of 7,000 that is absolutely knows the songs and is into it to that level. Right. And the band's going to love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, the, Trees and Arctangent are both very, very loved by the by the bands, um, but particularly Arctangent because there's no other options for them. Um, like if you look at Trees, like there's a band like Creeper. I know they love Trees. But I'm sure when they play Slam Dunk or Download, they also get a really great reaction. Um, but where if you talk about Arc Tangent and then Solitary from Afar, I mean, or um, yeah, this town, need, this town need guns. Um, 
those those bands that is that's the place for them it really is i don't i don't want to sound arrogant no i'm, I'm with you i was about to say i just can't really imagine them on a on a reading lineup no or a download lineup no exactly and even like we had dillinger escape plan headline and you know when they played at reading i heard from people that it was like empty and re- like in 2000 oh, really? I, don't know, I don't know what it was let's say 2014 i'm guessing Right, and it and because of the way Reading's changed over the years in terms of its genres, and it's shifted more to like more electronic and hip hop and stuff, and um, so D- Dillinger, that's not the place for them anymore. Like when I was going in two thousand and five, I'm sure they would have gone down a storm, but it's not like that anymore. I think in two thousand and five, my older brother went, and I think the guitarist like shat into a towel and threw it into the crowd, and apparently. It was oh, fucking- yeah. I was Insane. there. <laughs> I was there. Um, I, I was genuinely. It's one of those gigs that everyone says Shocking. they're at, but um, there wasn't. Just, he uh, that was an unbelievable moment. Um, yeah, it was all on the big. It's all on the big screen either side of the stage as well. Wow, um, it's pretty. And it was, uh, was Ramo. Was that main stage there? Yeah, yeah. He. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, he ended up smearing himself in his own feces at the end. It was pretty uh, remarkable performance. But when he, when he played Arc Tangent, he was really nice. And you know, at the end of his set, bear in <laughs> they mind, always are. Yeah, bear in mind they're a band that they fit in the Arc Tangent world, but they also fit outside of it in a more sort of heavy metal world. And they, they've played all sorts of festivals over the years. But at the end of at the end of his Arc Tangent set, he said to me, "That's the best show they've played on their entire European tour. They've been all over Europe." And he was like, "That's Amazing. the best." Um, and I, I think the credit for that goes to our audience, you know, because they're so. They're just mega dedicated to their music. It's all they care about. In a world of the internet and Instagram and Facebook and doing all that from the band world, from from you know artist perspective, I think it's quite easy to feel like you have to have a box to fit into. But actually, there's a place for every band in the world, isn't there? There's a place for all kinds of music. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that you know that's the thing I love about Arctangent is that you can we can have an electronic band on and we can have a like a really really heavy sort of left field metal band on and they and they they can play side by side and they fit together um and so, and yeah. there's going to be records and bands in the future that we had no idea could anything could sound like that you know i think that's the make, that's the one thing that makes me so excited about music on a day-to-day basis yeah i mean it's it's really mad the where it can go and one one of the things i do struggle but as you get older you know when you hear like Oh, here's the latest band that's decided they're going to sound like Nirvana. It's a bit, mm. it's a little bit boring because if you're if you're my age, you remember Nirvana the first time round. So yeah, so it's not fresh. Although I have to remind myself that to an 18 year old, that may well sound fresh. So, but I'm more, I'm much more excited by what you're talking about, which is the bands that are doing something new and they don't. They might have influences, but they don't sound like other you know, a, a complete rehash of something that's already happened. I just interviewed the singer of uh, Bedroom, you know, without the vowels, B-D-R-M-M. Yeah. And they they sound like something that, maybe there's something that old, people older than me know about, but to me, they just sound brand new. And they that's just so exciting to me. Amazing. Well, I, I don't know them. I'll go and check them out. Thank you so much, James, for, for joining me. I, I feel like I should ask you about, because, I mean, I think, you know, we all need to be talking about it, which is representation of, of different cultures and different sexes being represented in in gigs and and on stages, and we don't want it to be a boys' club. Is is that something that you speak about with your with your team quite a lot? How do you how do you navigate that? 
Um, I, I mean, I think I should start this by saying I'm a white male. So I, I and I recognise mm. that I am a white male. So and I realise that anything I say, someone could just say, "Well, he's a white male. Of course, he's going to say that." So what I'm about to say is that I I don't book based on sex or any other criteria. Um, I'm I'm certain of that in my own head. Now, whether I could let anyone else know that, but if you if you speak to um, some of the um, amazing women that have played at 2000 Trees and Art Tangent over the years, like Serena from Svalbard, they're very outspoken about how great 2000 Trees and Art Tangent have been in supporting women women in those genres. Um, so, like Art Tangent, like the reality is, there aren't that many um, women or it's all white men, basically. So, yeah. um, the, uh, in the bands. So, like, probably, I don't know, let's say 85% of the of the band members in those bands are white men. So, actually, getting women represented on the lineup is quite difficult um, at times. But every time I, you know, I hear a great band, I book them. I book Brutus, I book Rolla Tomasi, I book um, Svalbard. You know, there are, mm-hmm. there's a lot of examples. Now, I know that I, I, I'm not positively discriminating. I'm booking those because they're amazing. Yeah. Um, now I Deploy don't to serve Justine. Yeah. Like her voice is just un- unreal, unreal, yeah. incredible. Yeah, and she's played both my festivals. Um, I think it's really difficult because I don't. I I've never booked. Honestly, I've never booked a band because they've got a woman in it. Mm. I don't. I don't go out and be and be like I'm going to positively discriminate. And I think that is what some people would like us to do. Now, I don't believe that's the right way forward. And I, I heard an interview with Serena the other day, and she was saying the same. She doesn't want to be a token woman on a lineup. She wants people to book her because her band fits that lineup, and she's a, they're a great band. And Svalbard are a great band, so why wouldn't I book them? I've booked them loads of times. Um, so it's quite tricky. Um, I think the world's got into a, a lot better place. Now, you asked me, um, what do we, do we talk about it in our team? Yes, we do. And we've done some... We've never made this public, really, but we've done some research where we've compared the percentage of women on our lineups versus the percentage of women in the in bands, the booking, the main booking agents we use, the main record labels we use, and the main management companies. And we're we've always got a higher percentage playing Two Thousand Trees, or certainly Two Thousand Trees, than there is in the booking agency, or in the management, or in the record labels. So I feel like right. we're doing more more than the average now the last thing the last thing i'd say on the topic and I'm, i don't profess to be an expert but i feel like if we if we think women playing in heavy rock bands is a good thing then we then then it's not it's something that needs to be encouraged a lot earlier than i get to the process do you know what i mean it's like how is it about well it's a question rather than a statement actually is it about how we stereotype our sons and daughters when they're younger you know why is it you buy your your son a drum kit and your daughter uh you know i don't know like some female stereotyped toy now i don't know if i'm not saying i know everything i don't cuz quite a sensitive topic you can end up digging yourself a massive hole of but course, i feel yeah. like it i feel like it happens a lot earlier in the process but I'm there to support great bands with female members, absolutely, 100%. I think it's it's just something that needs to be celebrated. Absolutely, 100%. And, and also, I don't doubt for a second that there is some male-dominated sexism within the music industry, a huge amount of it. 
that has probably happened at record labels and at larger festivals and all over the place. And we need we do need to continue to fight against that. I think the question is how, what's the best what's the best way to do that? And I think for someone as myself, where I think, oh yeah, I'm I'm of course girls playing punk rock and rock music and heavy music, you know, I still need to remind myself that I still have a job for that as well. It, it, it doesn't end really, does it? Having no, that responsibility. Absolutely, absolutely 100%. Well, James, thank you so much. My pleasure. Really, really good to speak. I enjoyed that. Great. And it's so great to ask questions that I guess, you know, I probably wouldn't usually ask or don't have, you know, if I saw you around the festival, I'm sure you wouldn't have time to, to, to talk about this kind of stuff. No, no, it's it's been really good chatting. But if if you do come to Trees or ATG next year, then uh, let's have a beer, definitely. Awesome. I've been working all day for me mate on the side, running around like a blue ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me mate. Every blink minute I've been on the go. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.